Hell yeah. All right, let's uh, let's pivot to a couple of things and let's uh, let's wrap this fucker up. Let's talk about Ryan. <laughs> I, I don't know these ta- these topics are gonna Ooh. keep us on pretty long. Yeah. This one is gonna be good. Buckle let's talk up, about boys. Ryan Tannehill and oh baby, what a quandary we're in. It's not a quandary to me. I mean, I'm, I'm, we have a better offense when he is on the field than we've had in a long time. Yes. He is currently by DVOA standards a top ten offense with him on the field. And in my opinion, this bye week, we should be working on signing Henry and we should be working on signing (laughs) Tannehill to extensions because Tannehill will at least be a competent bridge quarterback that other defenses have to respect his passing game when previous quarterbacks that we've had dating all the way back to Jake Locker. We've never had. Let's let's go down this road real quick for you. Make that comment. And it's not going to be long. I just want to say this real quick. Fair foul. We have to let the chips fall where they are right now. And unfortunately, no no way you look at it. I do I see a scenario to where it's going to work out 100% in the Titans' favor. And, and this is what I mean. There's not going to be a big, massive coaching change. Okay, so just stop thinking that way. We're not getting Joe Burrow. I just don't see the way the team finds a way to trade everything and anything to end up with a first-round pick. And plus that the people who are going to end up with the first-round picks want to give that up and not get a quarterback. Because right. the teams who are going to need a quarterback who need to pick high are probably going to hang on to that. They don't want to trade down to pick an offensive lineman or some shit. So what I'm saying is, is that what we have right now at quarterback is not bad. <laughs> well, it's, uh, the, it's, it's the best we've well. had in over it, probably the best quarterback play that we've had since arguably, depending on your feelings of Kerry Collins, that 13-3 and three year. I, I can do better than that. Uh-oh. So small sample size warning, of course, because it's four games and, it, you know, that's not a whole lot. Lay it on us. Tannehill's Hall stats. Stano, Tannehill's, <laughs> Tannehill's stats through four games. You project <laughs> it out. He's getting a bust made this <laughs> bye week. Oh, yeah. We've already, we've already retired his number. I'm working on whittling a bust right now. <laughs> a balsa wood. Um, no, so Tannehill through four games. You project it out to 16-game season. He's completing 70% of his passes. And I'm only using the starts. I'm not using that half against Denver, um, which actually boosts his completion percentage. But anyways. um, Which is insane to me that it actually does. Yeah. So 70% completion rate, which is, uh, I think he's like third or fourth in the NFL right now in completion rate. Um, 4,068 yards passing which would be the highest total for this franchise since warren moon in 1991 um <laughs> uh, 32 touchdowns which would also be the highest total for this franchise since warren moon in 1990 and 12 interceptions so we are literally seeing Tannehill play quarterback over the last four weeks and granted it may not keep up at this rate he might come crashing back down to earth whatever right now what we have to judge him based off of is the best quarterback play that we've ever seen from a Titans quarterback. I mean, it's a super low bar, but I mean... He's number one in completion percentage right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so even better. uh, Just pulled up Football Outsiders because uh, he just qualified with 150 passes, so they do that. Yeah. So right now he's sitting at 72.4 completion percentage. Um, Then he is top 10 in DVOA. Uh, of all quarterbacks. So that's 
It goes Mahomes, Prescott, Carr, Stafford, Wilson, Cousins, Watson, Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill. Currently, because Marcus also had 150, uh, uh, 150 minimum 150 passes, he is down at number 30 in that category. And his completion percentage was 60.3. So, some, mo- some more stats that he ranks in the top 10 in the NFL in. Passer rating, he's 7th. Um, net yards per pass attempt, he's 10th. That, incl- that backs out sacks, too. So, that's yards passing minus sack yardage lost divided by number of dropbacks. So he's he's uh 10th in the NFL in that stat. Uh passing success rate, which is a sharp football stat, uh 11th in the NFL. Uh the Titans are gaining 6.3 yards per play, which is fifth best in the NFL over the last 4 weeks. That's the fifth best in the NFL at basically offensive efficiency. Um and you mentioned, you know, DVOA, they're seventh in the NFL in DVOA over the in offensive DVOA over the last four weeks. He has made this a legitimately good offense through four weeks. And I know in like I I'm keep couching it this way because I don't want people jumping in my mentions saying, Oh, you said he's Warren Moon on the podcast. He's it's a small sample size. We need to see it more down the road. But this is as good as you could have possibly hoped for from a first four games for him. And I got to pick on uh, Paul Kaharski a little bit. I know I love Paul, and but he was, he's been ranting on the radio these last couple of days about why can't the Titans ever have a 300-yard passing game? Why can't they just luck into a 300-yard passing game every now and then? Tannehill has two in the last four games. I mean, it, it's happening right now. No, Tannehill's doing it. And actually – if I'm not mistaken, it's like the four seconds of radio I got to hear today. Eddie George immediately clapped back at him and said, you're watching exciting football right now. Yeah. Like, what What do you want? They're, well, they're winning. Yeah. We're watching probably one of the most efficient offenses that we've seen since at least 2016. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. but 2016 was, while it was a great year, it still wasn't – it wasn't a top 15 offense, right? I think they finished ninth in DVOA. They finished ninth in DVOA. Yeah. So we're right there. So yeah. you, if you clamored for 2016 Marcus, you're looking at right now, currently, 2016 Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically. It's a run game, run-heavy offense, where, except for that we're able to stretch the field vertically. And I know we're talking about Ryan Tannehill. Let me tell you someone that has just flashes on screen every time he has the ball. And that's Johnny Smith. Oh, I love Johnny Smith. Tight end screens, throw all the tight end screens to Johnny Smith because that man can get from zero to 100 miles an hour quicker than anybody I think I've seen since CJ2K. While we're digging up old tweets, I need to dig up the old tweets. Somebody somebody sent me this a few weeks ago when I started to talk about how Johnny Smith was playing really well and I thought he should get more snaps. And someone tweeted back that, uh, oh, no, I said uh, Johnny Smith is playing like a legit tight end one right now. And they were like, oh, I think you have a typo. He's not even an average tight end two. And I was like, no, he's he's a really good tight end two. He's he's probably an average tight end one. And I need to go back and find that because I need to clap back but, at them but, right now. Because he's, he's legitimately <laughs> yeah. a tight end one right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> and, and let me say this. Tannehill, this offense is just better. There's no way around it. I don't want to hear, well, they played Tampa Bay and they played Kansas City. This goes back to the Malcolm Butler thing. 
people think that this is the same Kansas City defense that has sucked or has been subpar for the past few years. They were number four against the pass in DVOA heading into this game. People were throwing parades for Spagnolo right. for revitalizing the, the Kansas City defense. So number four in pass DVOAs. That means their defense has been really, really good. They dropped to seventh this week. We Our offense dropped their pass defense three ranks. And then we have uh, we played Carolina, who was number five in pass defense. And they were number five in total DVOA while Kansas City was total eleven. I mean, he yes, he played the Chargers, but that's the same Chargers team that just shut out Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yes, he played Tampa Bay, but that game plan to play Tampa Bay was the worst fucking game plan that we've <laughs> ever seen because you're supposed to attack through the air, and we decided not to for whatever reason. So while you think garbage time stats don't let me tell you this about a little bit about garbage time stats. Well, at least we have a quarterback that can get us garbage time stats. Because if this, if Marcus had started that Carolina game and got into that fucking rut that we were in, we've seen it. We've seen it so many times. He would have never dragged us out because he just gets broken after that first four or five series. It's just hard. And let's go back to garbage time stats. What were you telling me about garbage time stats earlier, Mike? Uh, what, what was I telling you about? You were garbage saying, time? well. You know, when Marcus did it against the Jags, it wasn't garbage time stats. Oh, he was yeah. really turning the corner. He was, yeah, he was figuring things out. Um, so get no. your get your heads out your asses. This team is fucking better with Ryan Tannehill. Get over it. Here and here's here's one more stat that I think hammers home exactly what this offense has done. And it's I don't think it's a hundred percent Tannehill. Let me be clear on that. I think the offensive line's starting to play better. I do think Henry's you know taking off behind that offensive line. But I think the primary driving force is Tannehill. Um, so 15 drives this season of at least 70 yards. Marcus Mariota played six games. He had five of those drives. Tannehill's played four games. He has 10 of those drives. It, it, that's a massive jump in rate. It's three times as often they're getting 70-plus yard drives. So it's not just, oh, Tannehill's getting all these short fields and Oh, he's just converting in the red zone. No, the Titans are marching down the field under Ryan Tannehill, and then they are converting in the red zone at a incredible rate. A ten out of ten. It's a hundred percent. Yeah, can't what's get better, better than, than that. What's better than a hundred percent? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing is better than a hundred percent. I don't know. Have you, haven't you ever watched uh, Hunt for Red October? Yeah. Go to one hundred and ten percent. Was that so your Sean could, Connery? We could go to one on no, it's 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 the Russian sub that's looking for oh, Connery yeah, in them. Yeah, yeah. Connery doing a Russian accent is a travesty. It's almost as bad as when he's in the movie Highlander and he's like, Scotland, what is this haggis you speak of? I mean, <laughs> come on. Go to one hundred and ten on the reactor. Sir, one hundred and ten percent is possible on reactor, but not advised. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways, watch the movie, it's great. Um Tannehill has excitement coming out of this team, and that's all we've been pissing and moaning about on this podcast. And suddenly you turn around, and it's there. Just enjoy it. Not to mention, which rolls into our next topic. How about that transition? Woo! Professional. Tannehill has this offense in a position to potentially get this team in the playoffs. Realistically get them in the playoffs. Not this, like, fantastical setup where nine different teams have to lose the moon has to collide with the sun, and then we have a 4% chance of getting in. Like, it's, it's actually a statistical possibility. And, yes, some the, some things broke the Titans' way on Sunday 
with our win along with some key teams losing. That helps. But this offense has a competent, like, leadership behind it now that can actually do it. And here's the other thing. Before we transition to that, the one thing that I'm happy to see and that we've always talked about on this podcast that is a very big poison for any team, the pissing and moaning out of the locker room has stopped. Yeah, they they sure were pretty vocal about Ryan Tannehill in la- uh, an athletic article in the middle of last week heading into yes, this game. Yes, that was about interesting. how he lets you know if you ran the wrong route, he's going to tell you, and he's going to tell you that's why he didn't throw to you. And that's yeah. that is one of the key things that we have harped on about Mariota from the beginning is that there didn't seem to be any kind of emotion coming out of the quarterback after the game of, of cornering a wide receiver and saying, why are you running the wrong routes? Or whatever example you want to give. Apparently Tannehill is that guy who yeah. does that shit. And look at the reaction that the teammates gave him when he drove that shit into the end zone on his own. Well, let, let me and, say and let me, this was a Mar- yeah. that was a Mariota moment to me. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly that's, what I was going to say. That's the one thing that, like, you know, every, endeared Mariota to everybody was, you know, the, laying his body on the line. You know, he was tough. He would you know, throw a block for Derrick Henry, throw a block, you know, against the Giants. He, you know, he was willing to, to go that extra mile and really, like, I mean, just lay it all out there. Tannehill's showing that exact same trait in – I mean, you've got to you've got to get a little bit fired up when he's going in on the two point two point try, and I mean it is literally like a football drill. Like it is one on one, Tannehill versus Juan Thornhill, the the chief safety, and they are meeting at at the like six inch line, and it is going to be who pushes who back, and Tannehill fucking pushes him his, back into the end zone. His like the angle that Tannehill go back and watch the play. Tannehill gets his body to almost like a 45-degree angle, oh, yeah. digging his cleats into the ground to push with everything he had into the end zone. It's impressive. Yeah. It really is. That's a man who wants that touchdown worse than his opponent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that that force of will, I, I think, is contagious. And, you know, like I said, that's something that Mariota did a great job with. And, and I know we we get on to Mariota a lot, but there was there was great things about Mariota. There, there really were. But – I think Tannehill's got some of those qualities as well, and he also brings the bigger arm and the, the you know, better downfield passing not, and quicker decision-making. and Not to mention, aggressive. don't you think Tannehill has got to be in a position now where he's finally not playing for an anemic program? Because for all the faults of the Titans, for all the things that I will always go off about with this organization, they're not the Dolphins. The yeah. Dolphins it's the, it's the are the best a team joke. he's had. Like That's what said, I mean. Like, yeah, we said it about Marcus when Marcus yeah. was starter. This is the best team that Marcus had. This is the put-up, shut-up year for Marcus. Yeah. This is Tannehill's best team he's ever had, and you can see what a very good team does from what you may have perceived as a really bad quarterback because a lot of people, for whatever reason, just throw out that Tannehill has thrown for 4,000 yards twice in his career – Whereas we haven't had a f- our leading our leading passer is Matt Hasselbeck in franchise history with thirty five thirty six hundred yards yeah. or something like that. We've never had a four thousand yard passer. Yeah. This guy's fucking done it twice. It's yeah. with almost a shittier Dolphins under team. Joe Philbin. Yeah. Joe Philbin. It's almost. It's almost like we have a quarterback on the field who's playing like he needs a fucking job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that's the other thing too. I, I do think there's something to that Tannehill. You know, the story came out with his agent talking about why they chose the Titans. Yeah. And it was, you know, 
I, you know, is say this what the you athletic will about article? No, this uh, this was NFL.com like four or five. This was yeah. actually probably four. Can we all send ago. that to me? Yeah. I hate that I'm asking this on Mike, but I want to read that now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it, it was it was very interesting. But his agent it's basically Ian Rappaport wrote it. Actually, okay. that's right. Um, his agent basically told Ian Rappaport that kind of the process behind why he chose the Titans, and it was you know they wanted to find an offense that that fit Tannehill for one. And then they wanted to find an opportunity where they thought that he could get a chance to play. You know, that, that was the thing. They wanted to find a quarterback situation that was, you know, that he would get a chance, you know, to take over. And they felt like Mariota was at least vulnerable to being unseated or, you yeah. know, obviously the injuries had, had come up every year. So they figured he was going to get a chance to get on the field. So he's been in a spot now where he knows that starting job in the NFL is not a guarantee anymore. So I feel like he is playing like this is my chance. If I'm going to you know, continue to be a starter in the NFL, if I want to continue to have an opportunity for it to be my team, this might be the last six games that I get a chance to prove that I deserve that chance. There because there's no guarantee that in free agency he's going to end up going to a team that you know would give him that chance. Because most people are either going to – draft a young quarterback or you know there's other guys like Bridgewater out there they're gonna be floating around that kind of thing but I you know this is this is his best chance to reclaim his career there's not again I have to hammer this home there's not that many quarterback needy teams there there really isn't the the um, you unless you're gonna give up on a young quarterback like Josh Allen or Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield you're you're not you're not going to go out and pay for that kind of guy and i know that we did that with marcus but we did it with marcus in his fifth year right like some of the, a lot of these teams still have one or two years left before they really got to you know we got to do something about this quarterback position so Tannehill, yes he could put on a show and yes he could command a lot of money but it's not going to be more than what we would have paid marcus if marcus had a good year for sure right yeah. it's going to be less and you know, really, I think that, in my opinion, if I'm looking at Ryan Tannehill and I'm looking on maybe that he's a guy that we should keep around for two or three years, which I personally do, a three-year, $45 million contract, that's 15 mil on average. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't really sound like a lot, but that's really a lot for a guy that was a journeyman and this would be his third contract in the NFL. And he doesn't have the track record that maybe some teams would shell out more money for. Right. I mean, I may be undershooting it. It could be 18 no, mil it, or 20 mil, but it's not going to be think, 25 mil a I year. I think the absolute cap is Nick Foles. Nick Foles' contract, right? Yeah. So it was four years, 88 million yeah. that he got. So I think that's your absolute ceiling. Yeah. Well, I really think you could do worse than Ryan Tannehill. You, oh, could yeah. do worse as, you could do worse than we, Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Blaine sudden, Gabbert, Matt Castle. And, and, yeah. well, and that's one of the one of the reasons why I was anxious to get in front of the microphone this week and tell myself to shut the fuck up because not just seven days ago I was on this podcast bitching and moaning about how it really drives me nuts that this team keeps doing the same things it's been doing for the last 15 years and blah, blah, blah. And then a week later I'm coming to the realization and I'm saying that truthfully that 
Tannehill's a good, not a good product on the field, but a quarterback that seems to learn from his mistakes in game. That is something the Titans have not had in a long, long time. I'm so conditioned to seeing a quarterback fall apart that last night during the Monday night football game, when Garoppolo started throwing the ball like shit, I thought, well, here it is. Expose this son of a bitch. That team is undefeated, not due to him, but he got his shit together and started throwing better passes. I'm just conditioned to seeing a quarterback fall apart. I had to think about the fact that Tannehill, like, Tannehill makes mistakes. He's yep. fumbled the ball a couple yep. times. Yeah, in the last that's, few a, games. that's been a problem. But and he's definitely not perfect. But I mean, that's it doesn't, like, the offense doesn't come apart at the seams like it has at points when Mariota starts to really fall apart. You could do a lot worse than Tannehill. Going into the offseason this year, and if, say, the Titans draft a quarter, whatever's going to happen, you could do a lot worse than the leadership of Tannehill having a new fresh quarterback to learn under. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said for a guy that has talent that needs and wants a job. I'll go out on the limb and say this. I love watching Fitzpatrick play, even though like he'll throw six touchdowns and then throw seven picks <laughs> the very next game. But do you think that guy is tired of traveling around the country playing for a different team every other year? I bet he is. And I'm sure Tannehill, his family, all that, do not want to pack up and go somewhere else. And so you're seeing a guy finally play for an organization that wants him and needs him and is not the disaster that Miami is. And he's putting his shit out there on the field. I like it. And, it's and, awesome. And take it for a grain of salt when you bring up wanting. I mean, Mike Lombardi. Yeah, let's talk about really, this real quick. Really kind of shed some light that maybe Albright wasn't as wrong as what everybody said. And right. I'm one of those people who kind of made fun of him because and I'm blocked still uh, <laughs> because I mean he said that you know he basically had the staff's numbers and all this stuff blah 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 and what he said wasn't that the Titans wanted to start what Albright first off said gets a little bit misconstrued he never said that the Titans we're going to start Tannehill week one, like Rossini kind of said. Yeah, th I think those two get conflated yeah. a little bit. Albright said, I would start Tannehill week one, and I've heard people in there are very pro Tannehill, and that I think I think short leash started with Albright, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, yeah. Being on short leash. But Lombardi kind of echoed that the staff really liked Tannehill, which we know that Tannehill is really great in the offseason. He's one of those workout warriors that you hear about. And then that J. Rob was kind of like, well, we gotta, you know, we gotta give Marcus's chance, so, which is absolutely the right thing to do, by the course. way. So, so what? What exactly? Michael Lombardi, uh, former GM of the Browns, he was a consultant for the Patriots. He's really tied in with Belichick, um, so he has some connections to, you know, the Patriot kind of universe. And obviously, we know how connected the Titans are to that universe. Sure. So, I think there's reason to believe that he would be talking to people that would know these things and he also for what it's worth mike sullivan who's the assistant offensive line coach for the titans currently was an assistant coach on the browns when lombardi was the gm there so he at least knows him personally and he probably knows more people in the titans building than just mike sullivan but what i think probably happened and, and to be clear what what lombardi said was that he, he had been told this summer, you know, this was on his podcast, GM Shuffle, if you want to check it out. it He said that, you know, he was really impressed with what Tannehill was doing. And then as a caveat to that, he said, what I was told this summer 
was that the coaching staff was really high on Ryan Tannehill and wanted to play him, but they got overruled by the front office who wanted to give Mario to one last chance. And like Zach said, I still think that's the right call. I, I think they had to make sure on Mario because it, this isn't benching Case Keenum, right? This is benching a guy that was the number two overall pick for this franchise. He was the franchise quarterback, and the plan was for him to be the franchise quarterback up until you know pretty much the end of last season. Um, and if they didn't give him that final chance, you know, because there's we all know the Mariota story. There's all kinds of context. There's ways you can spin this to be, you know, oh, it was never his fault. It was always the receivers. It was always the coaches. It was always the injuries, you know, whatever you want to want to say. And all of those points are valid to some extent. They had to find out what a healthy or more healthy version of Mariota with a better supporting cast could do. And they tried, and it didn't work out. And they moved to Tannehill. And I, they made the right – they handled it the right way. Now, if you want to look at it and say, if Tannehill was playing this well – and they started him from week one. Would the Titans be what seven and three? Maybe, maybe even better. Maybe. I mean, I mean, I, I think six well, to four is probably more realistic. Yeah, but again, you don't know because you don't know what other teams do in right. response to Tannehill. Right. I mean, if it's one of those out here waters. throwing touchdowns, and that's and yeah. how do you know that the Colts, you know, still don't score more touchdowns? Yeah. Like you don't, you don't know. But and I get the the anger. I've I got into a little tiff. Uh, with some friends in a really? in a group text, you know, it's not like me, is it? <laughs> and one of the things was said was, well, if this coaching staff should never, they should, if Tannehill was doing better in practice, if Tannehill was doing this, he should have started week one, and that's an indictment on the coaches. And if they don't know what they're doing and blah blah blah, they need to go. This was the only move to make was to start Marcus now. You can tell me maybe Marcus should only started four four weeks, but then if he would have got benched, everybody would have wondered. Well, why didn't they let Taylor Lewan come in and yes. blah blah blah? They have in my mind this was the only way to remove all doubt that Marcus was not the guy. When, there is zero doubt. And Vrabel laid it out when when he talked about making the move. He said, you know, we wanted to get a chance to see him with Lewan in there, with Davis in there. I mean, he he's explicitly said that. I mean, so that I think that's exactly how this played out. I think it's probably true that the coaching staff, and it could have been split. Like, it could have been, you know, Pat O'Hare and Arthur Smith loved, you know, Tannehill and, you know, maybe some of the other coaches did, you know, whatever. But I feel like the coaching staff probably did prefer Tannehill. And they, you know, but that's not a move that a coaching staff can make. You know, like I said, this isn't benching Case Keenum. This is... Something right. that you need to get your bosses sign off on. You this need to get your bosses boss sign off on. Well, this is the this is the the two biggest changes on a team: your quarterback, your head coach. Yes, and this is why I equate it to the variable thing, and why it kind of drives me nuts to where, you know, and I always equate the two, but they're always going to be the same people to me. Of the Mariota stands are the fire variable stands. You can't have both. You can't argue that a quarterback needs five years, six years, seven years, and keeps putting out the same production that Mariota was and turn around and say that you want to hire or fire Vrabel before year two is even up. You can't have it both ways. You have to be 100% sure that when you get rid of a head coach that that is the answer you need to give. I know teams fire head coaches all the time, probably too early, some of them way too late, not going to say anything Jason Garrett. But <laughs> um, but at the same time, like 
you got to be 100% sure that's the, the, you're making the correct call. And I respect the Titans for what they did this year. Imagine the blowback if Tannehill's having a, a good season, right? Let's not even play the what-if game about the first four games. Let's say the record is still the same right now with what it is with Tannehill behind quarterback from week one. Can you imagine the blowback uh, from fans talking about they never gave Mario a chance you know, for fans year five. would have been irate. And like fans they would have lost fans. And there would, and let me say this. I probably would have been yes, irate. Yeah. That's the point I'm trying to make. There would be a portion of me that would still be on this microphone saying, why aren't we still seeing what Mariota's got? Where on the flip side now, we got to see it for four games. Did it hurt the team, the organization went through all that and where we're at right now? Yes. Maybe. But I mean, it's like he still had statistically was kind of trending in, a, in the correct way. Now, that doesn't mean that his on-field play was great. But, I mean, maybe it, it hurt. Maybe it didn't. I, I mean, maybe. yeah, it, it's it's hard to say because anything, yeah. you, anything you say, well, you know, it definitely hurt is assuming that Tannehill would have come in and, it, you know, uh, of course. done better. And, you're, and we're but, right back to where we don't want to be. Right. What right. shit. But I, I do think it's fair to say that he was not playing quarterback at a very high level for most of those games. The Atlanta game in the first half, Great. One of the best halves of football I've ever seen him play before. I think we know pretty much now that the Falcons defense is mostly terrible. Um, that's not to say he didn't conti- he didn't play good and he deserves credit for playing <laughs> playing well. But the vast majority of the season he played pretty bad. Well, I he just had want, what two or three. I just want the Atlanta Falcons to change their their slogan to Atlanta Falcons. Mostly terrible. <laughs> well, and then he he had what two or three games where, um, you know, two or three games where he didn't throw a touchdown, and I mean he has a, he has a high level of zero touchdown games. Yeah, a high level of zero touchdown games with interceptions. He, it's it's mind boggling to me that over the over the summer they surveyed fifty five GMs and head coaches. And you you see on there that they say that we don't really respect the pass when it, when Marcus is on there. You can put a quarterback spy on him, and there you go. And then we see, go back and read his uh, NFL combine profile and all that about all the things that are wrong with him. And then there was it Matt Waldman that had the article that talked about similarly the same thing, or was that some, yes, maybe someone yeah, else? Yeah. But I think it was Eric also, Stoner. Yeah, he also wrote an article. These things that Marcus had wrong with him were, in my opinion, and this is just an opinion, were pretty heavily masked with malarkey, right? But for the majority of his career, these were problems that have always lingered and never got fixed. Now, you can say that maybe the turns and the coaching staff couldn't fix it and blah, blah, blah. Well... Maybe he should have put in a little bit more effort during the offseason. I don't know. Maybe he should build chemistry instead of doing one week. He should do what we've heard other quarterbacks do and do every week. I'm just saying that, you know, Marcus is who he is, and I understand that he had some really, really awesome moments. You know who else had awesome moments? Vince Young had some amazing moments. He did. And he flamed out, and he didn't carry us anywhere, and he got benched for Kerry Collins at one point. I mean, quarterbacks and, and, and can have your amazing moments, but I prefer consistency. And and I love the people that say, well, you know, Ryan Tannehill's turned it over more than Marcus has. 
seven touchdowns in six games versus eight touchdowns in three games, right? Because or was it eight touchdowns now? Uh, he's got eight in four games. Eight, eight in four yeah. games now, and that the eight touchdowns is what I'm gonna take in four games, even with the interceptions. Because guess what? He overcame the interceptions and still scored and threw touchdowns. His scoring is uh, they're scoring like ten points a game more. Like that yeah. is worth a interception a game or, you, or half an interception a game. Whatever the, whatever time, the difference is, we'll take the interceptions if it leads to more aggressive down the field shots and if it leads to points. Sometimes interceptions are gonna happen. Aaron Rodgers yeah, throws I interceptions. Mean, Tom Brady throws interceptions. It, I mean, it's a shitty example, but there's a reason why. Fitzpatrick keeps getting starting jobs because for every fourth game that he throws seven interceptions and destroys your team, there are games that he's throwing four touchdowns, five touchdowns, yep. putting up three and 400 yards. I mean, it happens and, and you're 100% right. The interceptions means that we're being more aggressive and he's not being aggressive. And for Titans fans in general, not even just Mariota fans, one of the biggest complaints, and we always have it too, no, we're tired of seeing this sad sack anemic offense of people called it Jeff Fisher ball for the longest time. Mariota was playing Fisher ball, this low scoring bullshit. And as much as we just sat here and argued on behalf of keeping Henry, we're arguing on behalf of keeping Henry because we still expect this team to put the ball in the air. I think there's a hybrid scenario in which a big towering apartment size running back <laughs> fits into an offense that can still pass the ball and you got to have it. It's not even just in today's NFL. It's every year in the NFL. You got to have a quarterback who completes basic passes that can put the damn ball in the end zone. Ryan Tannehill was better when he had a good running back behind him in Miami. That's one of the big things that they kind of had a pretty good running back here and there that sprinkled in. You know, he has one now. Why get rid of it? And why? It, it, whatever is happening right now, and I understand that there's a lot to the offense. The pass blocking is not that great still. I think that the um, uh, play calling is got it was a little bit better yesterday, but some of the design is still a little rough and yeah. a little here and there. But it is generating wins, and it can. It looks like it's improving week to week. And and, and I mean, how bad can it possibly be if it's producing a seventh and DVOA result over yeah. the past four weeks? I mean, and it's what twenty. It's twenty twenty six points a game, which is top ten in scoring yeah, as well. 10. I mean, yeah, you can complain about it, or you can kind of look at it. The last four weeks, we've had something that we haven't had in a very long time, and that's a top ten. Offense. Well, yeah. so let's let's move on to this. Titans are. We are a one hour and forty minutes. <laughs> Woo, buddy! <laughs> if one you are still with 40? us, yeah, bless, four zero. Bless we're gonna have heart. to cut this in two parts. I may have to. <laughs> I don't think we have a choice. We are gonna have to cut this in two parts. Um, all right. Let's let's talk about one last thing, and then we will shut the hell up. Um, Titans are on a bye week. Much needed. I feel like it's it's the latest bye week. Uh, no, there's still one, the, one a, more next week, right? Week oh, 12. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Week yeah, 12 more. is the last bye week for It's the latest bye week we've had in a long time. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah. and it's, it's much needed. Titans get some rest and relaxation. They come back and play the Jags at home. What I want to talk about is, is that the Titans actually have a decent shot at making a run at the playoffs. And actually – taking the division is not even out of the question at this point. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. correct. no, they control their own destiny. I mean, so that's, they were, they're at 15% right now to make it to the playoffs. Okay. doesn't matter if it's wild card division or whatever. 
And um, so to me, that's that's pretty high. And it, the, it was 538 that had this. So they kind of look at the whole schedule. So they have us at 11%. They have the Jags at 23% because Jags have a little bit easier schedule. But really, we have a very winnable schedule. The Colts just lost to the Dolphins. And the Colts and are... And they might not have Brissett back yeah. next week or... You know, it sounds like he's kind of week to week right now. And What's Brissett out with again? Knee, MCL sprain, yeah, MCL I think. MCL sprain. And they may not even have T.Y. Hilton then, but they, he may yeah. be back. He's got a better chance to be back for Who our game. Kidding? That son yeah. of a bitch is playing against the Titans. Oh, he's going to come Always back Always does. Yeah. They, they will, the it'll be the week that Brissett and T.Y. Hilton both return. But <laughs> I will say this. Losing to Miami, they even with Brissett in, they've won very, very close yes. games. They escaped the uh, Broncos yeah. at, at home a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we can win this game. I mean, all these games are completely winnable currently. Jags at right home. Now. Yeah, Jags at home, Colts at, at home. No, Colts at oh, home. Oh, okay. No, no, no. no, no at, Jags, at, Jags at home at Indy. Yeah, yeah. at Indy. At, I at forget, I was, at the flo- I was in Florida during the Indy game, so I yeah. thought it was a away game. Flipped it. But yeah, the, I feel like the next two are basically must wins. I, um, you almost really want to say the next, the next three, yeah. just because which is, really every game but the Saints game is probably must win. I mean, at this uh, point, because so you got two three, Texans games. I think if they get to ten and six, they're in pretty good shape. Yeah, you know, I, I think they can they can afford to lose one. You'd prefer it to, to be the Saints, probably. Yeah. If you had to lose a game, you'd prefer it to be the you Saints. You don't want to lose to the Raiders because the Raiders right now are like a forty percent chance. Yes, to they're get five the and four. They're a half yeah. game ahead of the Titans, and, and, and it's it's set up to where the Chiefs are going to rebound. I, I really, I just don't see Oakland holding off the Chiefs in the AFC West. I, I, see, I see Oakland controlling a wild card spot. So you you can't, I, you just can't lose the Oakland game. No, you, you've got to beat Oakland. I mean, Indy and Oakland and Jacksonville are all direct wild card competitors. Yes. So you've got a chance to knock three of those guys down. You and know, the Bills the just lost weeks. to the Browns. Right. Which the is Bills very losing good. helps. Yeah. yeah. The Bills. The Bills may crash out. I think their schedule's still pretty soft down the stretch, so they might be able to cobble enough enough together to get you know nine and seven, ten and six, which is dangerous because we don't have the the head to head, obviously. Um, but you can you can knock three wild card competitors down, and then with the two games against Houston at the end of the season, we're a game and a half behind Houston right now. So you're looking at you know you can make up two games just by beating beating the Texans right there. So you'd rather probably not have to sweep the Texans if you can avoid it, but that that's probably the what you're going to have to do if you're going to win the division. The Colts play the Jags this week. Yes, and the Texans. What do we want to root for? Seems like a Jags win, probably. I mean, the the Colts are five and four. The Jags are four and five. So that would even them out with us if the Jags win. That even both of them out with us if the Jags win this game. So, so we that's need probably to root for, for the best. We need to root for a submarine surfacing in the end zone, rolling over both teams. Yes. Really a like tie would well, be kind of nice. a tie would be nice. Yeah. A tie would be very nice. Uh, um, and we really need to root for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to beat the shit out of the Titans. Yeah. Look, this is what we're trying to say, Titans fans. There are much worse scenarios to be in. And the Titans are in a very, very good spot right now as far as, like you were saying, Mike, controlling their own destiny. And that's that's nice because, I mean, just a couple of weeks, three weeks ago, you couldn't have told me this team was going to the playoffs. Three weeks ago, I would have been perfectly fine with this team just fucking cashing it in and grabbing a QB. But... Uh, you know, th- things have changed. 
So, yeah. I look, mean, head up. Three, they've got three must wins coming up. But yep. The Titans have a much, much needed week off, which is nice. Uh, we will not be taking the week off. We are still going to come back and record something. I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about next Maybe week. Maybe I should just save the second half for this for next <laughs> week. I'm actually, actually going to be out of town till Wednesday. That's so. actually not a bad idea. Um, <laughs> so there you have it. Um, I got to say this before we go. This team feels like it has taken a much needed shit. Yeah. Like a big it, dump. It really a does. Relief like dump. They, they've a taken relief a relief dump. dump and right. now we can go back to a productive life. It's it's dangerous. It's dangerous to have a whole lot of hope in this team. And I would advise people not to feel like this is 100% going to be a playoff team. But once again, they're going to be right in it here down the stretch. And we're going to see some exciting football. And like Lebowski said, leave leave all the other shit at the door. You know, when it gets to be game time, just watch the game, enjoy it. Anything can happen in the NFL as we've learned over the last few weeks pretty pretty clearly. Um just because a team is good on paper doesn't mean they're going to play good that day. So enjoy enjoy the season. Enjoy right. this next this next uh week off and then let's get ready to make a playoff run. And love each other on Twitter. Yeah, come on, be let's, nice. Listen, just <laughs> just let Marcus go and your life will be filled with you know, good gifs, fun gifs. Just, just uh, to quote the great, uh, the great leader Jackie Moon, Lebowski's no. Lebowski's no. favorite. Okay. Right Lebowski's favorite fictional character. I, I can't I'm playing the music right now. Everybody love everybody. Ele. All right. Football and other efforts. Really appreciate you tuning in. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at fwordspod. For Mike Miracles. Zach Lyons, I am Mr. Lebowski. You've been out. Everybody love everybody. I'm never forgiven. I'm taking away that fucking move. I saw the opportunity. I had to take it.